0: Do you go to a job every day or a career that fulfills your soul? Mm. Today, we're talking to Chris Castillo of Empowered Achievers. She is a millennial career coach, guys. I mean, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably listening to podcasts that are also in this genre. And I feel like you probably sometimes question, like, you know, if you're on the right track. At this day and age, there are so many different options at our fingertips. Sometimes it's just nice to either assure that you're on the right track or figure out what your next
1: best option is. Exactly. Exactly. Chris is a trained facilitator, certified Myers-Briggs practitioner, CTA certified coach, and she was voted one of the best millennial career experts by People Maven and is an article contributor to Thrive Global.
0: So check out this episode and then go find more of Chris at beempoweredachievers.com or on Instagram at empoweredachievers. Bye. Bye. Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject.
1: The way we see it, wellness is all encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Isa. Wanna, Wanna Vibe? vibe?
0: Castillo. Castillo. Ooh, that's so exotic. Um, so Chris yeah, Castillo is a um, career coach with Be Empowered Achievers.
2: Yeah. So it's just Empowered Achievers. Be oh. Empowered Achievers is just my website. So it's very, it's very misleading because oh. someone else had Empowered Achievers, even though they don't use it. Oh, rude. Oh. I know. It's quite the good it's, fight for that one. Yeah.
0: You know, <laughs> one of those things. Yeah, yeah, um, just
1: keep it. I'll throw a B in front of it. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: So thank you so much for joining us today. We're super excited. I'm yeah. selfishly really excited to talk to you. Um, But we always like to start off each episode with hearing about kind of like your childhood Mm -hmm. and growing up and like all of the life events and milestones that sort of like made you who you are.
2: Yeah, um, gladly. I mean, I think childhood wise, like I had, I grew up in Northern California. I had a pretty like privileged childhood. I was very lucky to have parents who were very supportive of do what you want to do. My mom ran her own business, so I, I had that as an example from a young age. What did your mom uh, do? She was an interior designer. So nice. yeah, so it gave her a lot of flexibility. It to explains a lot of what I'm say, looking at right
0: now. <laughs> you, everyone listening, can't see your super chic backdrop, but your office is like absolutely beautiful. Is that a designed. dark blue wall? Thank you.
2: It is. Yeah, dark blue walls.
0: Yeah, it's very Pinterest. <laughs>
2: Thanks. It's my <laughs> California to Colorado. wall. it has all of the stuff from our life oh, in San Francisco, our life in Colorado. It's a beautiful
0: blend. That's I love so it. Nice. Exactly. Anyway, sorry we, sorry we cut you off.
2: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, she, my mom was an interior designer, but it was like a very solid example for me for a very long time of the flexibility that I grew up realizing that I really wanted in my own business and I think was probably a big thing that led me to start my business as well. Mm-hmm. She could always be there to go on field trips and do all the things that I wanted, um, mm. you know, in terms of her being able to come and attend stuff, which was really, really lucky. So yeah, that that's kind of like my familial experience. And um, I always, I always grew up very much being like I've always been a very empathetic, bleeding heart kind of person. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be a teacher growing up, so it's not really like that much of a shock that I now do what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but.
0: Yeah. Um, so, what about your like, career trajectory? Like tell us what mm-hmm. that looked like and how you ended up being in a position where you actually help coach other people through their career choices.
2: Yeah. So, um, I originally, when I graduated from college, I moved into the world of marketing and advertising. So I started out working in marketing, um, and got my kind of, so to speak, like peak or like big break in that, in that world was, um, I was reached out to, to work at essence, which was an ad agency in San Francisco Mm -hmm. and they were the agency of record for Google. So I got to work on the Google account, I did all of their mobile media buying. So, pretty much what that means is anytime you would have, in maybe like what is it, 2013 or something like that, anytime around that time, <laughs> you saw an ad on your phone for like Google search or YouTube or any of those things that you're like, why do they need to run ads? Of course, I love Google. That was probably me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I worked on like negotiating the deals and stuff like that. Real it, quick,
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you. What school yeah, yeah. did you go to? What did you study?
2: I went to Loyola Marymount, so it's like a small school in Los oh. Angeles. Um, and I studied my major was in in business, but my, my in business with a marketing emphasis, and my minors was in uh, environmental science. So when I first graduated, I did marketing for a solar engineering firm. Oh wow! And then kind of moved from that into like. Doing it for a huge corporation that
0: has—that's awesome. Nothing really,
2: to do with that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like for me, it was very much. I was working in that industry, and it was great, and it was like perfect on paper, and I loved. I mean, to this day, I will say, like the people I worked with there, I still are some of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. I love the company, um which is does a lot for an ad agency because they're
0: yeah. not uh, notoriously like pretty
2: cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it is no life in some ways, but, uh, but no, they were, they were a really great agency. They treated their people really well. Um, when I was there and everything, I had a great experience, but I started to have for me like questions about, is this what I want to do forever? Or am I just, yeah. because I've, this is what I did in college and you kind of, I kind of felt like I fell into it. Um, like that was the, natu- the you know, the natural next step. Right, And so I started having my own questions and this all was very, it was very like weird, perfect storm simultaneously of like, while this was happening. My mom, um, my mom had had ovarian cancer for like four years at that point or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she got diagnosed my senior year in college and it came back and we kind of like were ovarian normally, you know, that's kind of. The end of the road, right? Um, And so this all was the perfect storm of like me having questions about what I want to do with my life, plus my mom getting sick, and me having to confront mortality and this kind of holy shit. What do Mm, I want to do with my life? And like, am I doing something that I actually want, or am I just chunking the days away? And I think Mm -hmm. anyone who's been sort of through a life-altering event like that has right life before where you're kind of just like plugging along, and then life after where you're like, oh better, better make it count. Better be honest. It's it's limited. So, um, that all led me to make my own transition within advertising. I actually, it was like a very messy process. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and what it turned into was I had been training people on what I did within the company, fell in love with training, tried to Mm -hmm. see, is there a way I could do more of this? And within that same ad agency, within the same company, I transitioned into their talent development culture team, uh, which was like internal employee training and culture. So it's a very long winded story, but that's kind of like how I made my transition.
0: Yeah. How did you transition from basically coaching within that company to going out on your own?
2: Yeah. So I was there, um, I was working on that team and that's when I started getting exposure to coaching. So they had talked about me getting my coaching certification. We had started to learn those skills just because by way of that's how we would work through stuff with employees. Um, I would run internal trainings on stuff. Like I remember reading the book, uh, mindset, the new psychology of success by Carol Dweck, which is like one of my all time favorite books. I love it. Mm -hmm. And I've developed a training off that. Yeah. If you haven't read it, highly highly recommend um and she, but like i was able to create a training off of that so i started to get exposure to that world and i just loved it and i knew i wanted to do more of it and um really what happened was after my mom passed my husband now husband and i were planning to move we weren't really sure what exactly the future held for us but it was kind of like the right time we stayed um we had moved down, to where I grew up for a couple months in between to help the transition, help my dad out. Mm -hmm. And then um, the spring after she passed, I, we decided to pack up and move to Colorado. So I, the company that I was working for, the agency, I pretty much, it came time for me to have that conversation of like, Hey, I love working for you guys. I'd love to keep working for you guys, but I have to move. So like, is that an option? And, Unfortunately, it wasn't just because so much of what I did was in person. So like, look,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: we'd love to keep you, but like you do in-person training, that doesn't really make sense. We don't have an in-person office in Colorado. Um, So I had to make the tough decision to leave. And so I moved out here, did some different contract work, worked at some companies, and and I had started my coaching certification in the meantime. And that going through the certification program, I did really like forced my hand on Getting my website up and starting the business, and probably over the span of like a year, it became more and more of a focus until it became like a full fledged business that I started doing full time, and yeah. that was three and a half years or no three yeah, three years ago now.
1: Interesting. I feel like that's like a a nice theme too, though that everybody I think thinks like I just changed and yeah. it, you know I just jumped into it and yeah. I didn't. you know but uh, we've had several women say. I had my day job and then I had my hustle on the side. Yeah. yeah. Until my hustle became my day job. Yeah. 100%. It's so important to have something. You can't just be like, I'm just going to do it now and then like hope that things fall into place because that's just oh. not how it always happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like super lucky if it does, but it's not everyone's lucky like that.
0: Well,
2: and also you have to realize like it's not a bad thing. And I think that's the mistake that I think sometimes comes with. Like I hate, I hate to put it on social media because I think it so often gets a bad rep because it can be a really great thing, but I think it can also be challenging in that we just see the outside, right? And we don't see all the stuff going on yeah. with people behind the curtains or all of the challenging decisions we're struggling to make or any of those things and so we're like oh well she did this and now she does that and so
0: yeah i could right. do we literally just wrapped an interview with a woman and we were talking about how if you were on the outside like as a consumer looking at her business it looks like she literally blew up overnight but on the back end she had been chipping away and working yes. away for 10 years to get to where yes. she, all of a sudden all of the retailers wanted their products in her store and like you don't see that yes and i think that I know that your focus of your business is um, around millennials. And I think that's super interesting because mm-hmm. I think there is this kind of new movement where a lot more millennials are wanting to become entrepreneurs. And it can be from the outside looking in, it can look very fairy tale like right. So okay. I'd love to get your opinion on, you know, that sort of, this sort of whole movement of (laughs) the eye roll kind of speaks for itself.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, I, 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 I think it's great that so many people are wanting to start businesses. I think it's, I think it's a really exciting time to be where we are, you know, the situation we're in. Um, I think there's so, 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 so much opportunity, but I think, yeah, I would really caution people against looking at the outside, right? I don't know if either of you follow Lizzo on Instagram.
0: Yeah. I know you. Yeah.
2: She she posted something last week, maybe about, you know, everyone the thinks that I up overnight, but all, all that. of my sales. Yeah. For the last 10 years, I've been doing all these things. I had shows where no one came like, and now everyone wants, gives a shit, Yeah, right? but, but that wasn't always the case. And I think that is such something just like, oh, um, who hasn't seen it yet go check out her post read it a zillion times over because that's the truth is there are messy things and it's not if it is very much the exception opposed to the norm that things are just going to blow up overnight and there's zero work behind it more often than not it's about that like consistent effort and so the question is I think instead of do I want to do this knowing that it's going to blow up overnight instead the question becomes like am I willing to do I care enough about this that I'm willing to put in the consistent effort? And is this important enough to me that I want to be like put in that consistent work so that I can make this a thing? Because I think that's the thing that I so often see as missing is consistency.
1: Yeah, with anything.
2: Have this idea, yeah. And then it's just like, oh... you have to work
1: to have that I don't want to do that yeah like any change (laughs) that's positive that you want or like Mm -hmm. any goal or something that you want there's always going to be the work in between here and like when we get Mm -hmm. there and I feel like people are like I want to for example we talk about like weight loss or like you know working out I want to lose 20 pounds it's like okay so like what are you going to do what are you going to do to get there other than like try and not eat yeah you know like because that ain't it yeah
0: (laughs) yeah What effort are you going to put in? Yeah. That's what I think
2: is like this huge misconception is people think they forget that growing pains are called growing pains for a reason. Right. People, what I will always say is people want to have grown, but they don't want to grow. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like, they want the outcome at the end. They're like, oh, well, I want to be in a situation where I feel fulfilled by the work I do, or I want to be in a situation where um, X, Y, and Z where I've accomplished a school, but like the doing the work part, right. That doesn't feel comfortable. And I think people forget that. Yeah. They forget that growing pains feel inherently yucky. Like even for someone who I have forced, I, you know, now I'm at the point where I've, it's been three years in my business. I've worked with so many different coaches and still every night before I start working with Someone new on something specific. Like before I start a new project, I have, I have something that I'm kind of working on right now that's going to be very excitingly like a new product launch before I go out of office for maternity leave in February.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and like when I started working on this, you have to remember that even someone who, like me, who has forced myself into so many uncomfortable situations where I haven't done something before a zillion times, it still feels gross the night before I have to <laughs> do it. Like yeah. I still am like, uh, yeah. Oh my God. So much unknown because unknown inherently feels scary. Yeah, but now I know enough that to know like, oh, this is just a part of my process. So right, I kind of just expect it opposed to get freaked out by it.
1: Before realizing it was part of your process, like who did you lean on? You know, who could you like go to? Who did you talk to about these things?
2: Yeah, and, like, I mean, that
1: grossness go away uh, or like, it.
2: I worked with I've worked with coaches in different capacities since I started mm-hmm. my business, and I think for me that worked really well because. I needed some sort of external accountability. Right? Mm-hmm. Internal versus external accountability. Internal being willpower, external being
0: someone so. physically holding you accountable. Yeah.
2: yeah. So for me, I, I just know that that's something that works for me. That I need to have external accountabilities because otherwise, I can talk myself into a freakout spiral and out of anything. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've kind of done in the past. But yeah, I think with with all of these things and like with the environment we're in right now, it's just so important for people to recognize that like it's great to jump all in. I think it's great to start a business. I think it's great to do all these things, but I also want you to remember that it's not butterflies and rainbows all the time, Right. but that's okay. And, you know, I always, I personally have like a vendetta against the quote um love what you do never work a day in your life i hate it because i think what's so much more realistic is like love what you do and the hard days are manageable yeah yeah like i love doing it
1: but i hate this shit yeah like i still don't
2: like doing my QuickBooks.
1: right yeah
2: but it's manageable because i know that i love what i'm doing as a whole and
0: there's
1: right and i love getting paid
0: um (laughs) so do you find that you are coaching um, people more so into entrepreneurship or more into like a career transition from one category to another category? It's
2: it's a total mix. So really, like what I always say is everything that I do falls under the umbrella of helping people get clarity within their career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether that be, I'm getting clarity on what's fulfilling to me and what I want to do next. And that leads to me getting another corporate job that is more aligned with that. Mm-hmm. Or I get that clarity and I realize I really want to start this thing on the side. Cause that's going to fill me up in this other way. But it's all about helping people. I right, often say like career clarity coach or, or clarity coach. Cause it's really helping people to get clear on what it is that they want. Because unfortunately, like none of us are really taught that growing up or in school or anything like that. And so then we're in this wild, wild world where we're getting there and realizing, like, I have no, I I haven't ever thought about what I want, right? When you ask people, they kind of just say what they do.
0: Yeah. It could change. Like, what you want when you graduate college could be something totally different than what you want and what your purpose is in your mid-30s, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would argue that the underlying, right, once you start to understand, I always look at purpose as like who I am and what's important to me and what's fulfilling to me. Um, and I think those themes don't change as much over time. So for example, how I, you know, was little, I was always gravitated towards like teaching and leading and stuff like that. And there are some definite themes into what I do now that overlap. And I would say that often is the case. But um I think the way I think the things can get in the way over time or right. Like our, our, our pressures, our pressures of what we've heard we ought to be doing our pressures that we've heard from family, what we've seen, like those things tend to be actually more so what get us off track. And I think more often than not, the thing that needs to happen is coming back to ourselves and coming back to what's important to us. And I think that's the part that people often miss. So I actually don't know, I think it can somewhat change, but I think if you got really clear on that, that shouldn't change that much. The core of who you are and what's important to you doesn't change as much over time. It's just so often people don't ever get clear on that part. So they're making yeah, decisions off of other factors.
1: Mm-hmm. Makes, when you're working with a client, what are there any certain like benchmarks that you want to hit with somebody?
2: Um, well, it depends. So, it's so custom in terms of right for individual coaching that it kind of varies, but there is typically for that 90% of clients, what we're working on is helping them well, more than I, probably, like most of my clients is focusing on helping them get clarity on who they are, what's important for them and what they want more of in their career um, or in their professional life and their small business, et cetera. And so helping them get that clarity, that's the majority of what we work on. I typically know, in my head, there's like the process that I take people through. And right. so I typ- typically know our benchmarks. If we have, for, for example, like 12 calls, um, then I'll know, okay, we have to start, like once we start to get to call four or five, we probably need to move on to this next piece. But those are kind of my own internal benchmarks. Yeah, It varies so much person to person. Right. And I like to keep it that way because right. I always have clients get on calls where they're like, we we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z this week, but this completely other crazy thing happened. So we need to reroute and go there and i think that's there's a lot those calls are sometimes my favorite cuz yeah. i think you get a lot of good stuff out of it yeah right. yeah
0: i feel like um unexpected events always are they challenge you to you know mm-hmm. dig a little deeper mm-hmm. yeah uh, so in terms of like i mean for lack of a better purpose like reinvent or lack of a better phrase like reinventing your career what are some common misconceptions around that transition
2: Um, I think in general, right, the, the biggest thing that I would say is even the fact that we think it has to be a reinvention, I think can kind of be misleading Yeah, because similar to this, like, I see this external, this stuff from the outside and I don't actually see people's process on the inside. Um, I think a lot of people think that they need to quote unquote, start over, mm-hmm. um, or that it has to be something completely new. But what I would always argue is like, sometimes it looks like that, but typically what I'm working with clients, all are all we're trying to do is get clear on who am I, what's important to me. What do I need in my career to feel more fulfilled? How can I get more of that? Right. Like, I think it all kind of boils down to those questions, which just are the questions that people struggle more than they'd like to, to ask themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the challenge is people start to think of it as like, oh, well, if I start to open this door, right, a lot of people are resistant to it because they're like, I don't want yeah. to, start to ask myself these questions because then I'm going to have to start over and then I'm going to have to be at the entry level again right. I don't want to do this. And I'm like, you're making a lot of assumptions and maybe that's the case, but I would tell you from what I've seen with clients that more often than not, and what I've seen with myself, More often than not, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's often like a sidestep opposed to this huger leap. And so it doesn't actually, quote unquote, set you back. Um, Just like when I was in in media and I moved to talent development, it was a new start in some ways, but it wasn't because I was using – I was training people on the work I already did, so I was using my existing knowledge and leveraging it into this new position that – was a different thing. And I had to learn different skills, but it wasn't a complete restart. And right. I think people forget that. And so as a result, they think it has to be so much harder than it is. And it just makes everything right, way more scary. And then they don't want to look and what ends up happening. I will just tell you because I've also seen this <laughs> is the longer you put off, like if you're having that whisper of, I should do something else, but you keep being like, I don't want to, I don't want to, because then I have to look at the scary Right, I have to pull back the curtain and like, I don't want to know what's behind that door. Right. Um, the more you push that back, like you're going to have the reckoning moment at some point. So right. you can either do it now or you can do it later. But like the day will come where that whisper in the back of your head turns into a scream and you have to do something about it, whether you are 25 or 50 or whatever it is. Um, so I think it's worth looking at it and like actually taking the time because I don't think you most of the time you don't have to start over and I think mm-hmm. that's like one of the biggest thing that kills me to hear people say because I know I know when I hear it and I like, well I want to but like technically this is everything's good on paper which is exactly how I felt which is yeah. so much of why I
1: started the business
0: right yeah that's so interesting how do you handle
1: like an emotional client Because, I mean, it's scary, you know, like it's scary to, you know, they made the leap to contact you. And now they're like putting, I feel like if I, if it were me, I'm like, here's all my issues help. And like, they put that weight on you. So now you're like, oh, and knowing me, if say like I was your client, I would be crying through this whole process. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean,
2: it's like an incredibly intimate process, right? I think it's that's why it's so important to find a coach who feels like a really good fit for you, yeah. Because you are going to get to know that person or real well, and mm-hmm. like you know, vice versa. Um, so I think it's important to trust them in the first place. But it just I, the only reason I smile when you say, you know, to deal with an emotional client is like all my clients are emotional, at some point right? Because it's dealing with really big stuff, especially often when we talk about like head trash and pressures and things that they felt of like, what do you think your career should be? What have you, because we all get these messages that we're told either explicitly or implicitly.
1: Yeah. Um, I saw on your website, you were talking about head trash. So give us an example of that. Oh yeah. Okay. A common head trash thing. That's like, also that oh, right. phrase is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Because like you got to name it.
2: Yeah. 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 So head trash is like the, um, Right. Often you'll hear it talked about in the kind of development world. as like beliefs or limiting beliefs or mindset stuff. Right. And this is stuff, right. That you believe that drives action you take. So for example, if you have some head trash that says, you know, if you've always thought that the only way to be a good employee is to say yes to everything, what's probably going to happen is you say yes to everything. And then you start to get really burnt out. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and what I would always say is like how we know that head trash is happening is because we see a pattern happening where the client or any person says, I keep saying, I want A to happen, but B is happening instead. So mm-hmm. for example, uh, the example I always use is a client of mine said to me, you know, I keep saying that at the next job I have, I'm going to work reasonable hours. But then somehow, I don't know how, but every job I take two weeks in, I'm there and it's 9 PM and I don't know what happened. Right. And so normally any sort of discrepancy like that between this like ideal versus reality is where we know there's some sort of gap or some sort of mindset, some sort of head trash coming up. Yeah. And so that's always where we'll start at looking for clients because that's where we know there's some sort of pressure based on what they've seen, what they've heard. Typically this is based in like what we've heard growing up. Um, and so for that example of that one client in particular, who I just mentioned, when we looked at, okay, well, what's this, what's going on and causing this gap? What it means is I say that I'm committed to working reasonable hours, but actually there's some sort of other commitment that I'm more committed to. And so when we started to pull back the layers of the onion for her, what we found was that, or what she found was that, um, for her, she grew up in um, an immigrant family, her parents had, you know, her mom came from China, her dad came from Cuba. And so for her, she was like, my parents did a lot yeah. to make it so that I could be here. And so her whole thing was, you know, even though she said she was committed to working those reasonable hours, what she was actually more committed to that she discovered was I'm actually more committed to proving that mm-hmm. I'm like a good employee and that it was worth all their effort to get me here and being, you know, I always want to be the A plus student, the Stand out of all my cousins, all of the things, right. to prove that it was worth it, right? And so that's kind of what we mean when I when I say head trash is some sort of belief or some sort of thought that like has served you so far, but also you're realizing is maybe holding you back. Right. And like running you into
1: the ground and then your boundaries are just like completely diced and sliced when you're there at 9 PM and nobody else is.
2: Yeah. So like that was her head trash, but head trash can look like anything from thinking to yourself, I have to say yes to everything to be a good employee. It can look like saying to yourself, um, the only way to be successful is in corporate. It can look like saying to yourself, you know, I have to make the responsible decision all of the time, like all of these things, head trash is pretty much anything that um, you realize is not necessarily serving you a hundred percent of the time that might yeah. be impacting you negatively in some way.
1: That's like similarly, even like in spin class. So I teach spin classes, like when I'm not working full time and The time is for like, you're supposed to teach for 52 minutes for the hour, right? And I'm always like doing 58, 56. And I see these women before me in their class and they're like, I'm out of here. Like 51 minutes hits, the music starts shutting off, they're gone. And then I'm like here stressing myself out, saying yes to like a lot of things. And now I'm like, I want to be like them. Cause I like, why am I adding this stress onto myself when I could just be like 51 minutes? All right. Good job, everybody. 52, we're cooling down and goodbye, Yeah, you know, and it keeps them like in check. And then also your employer where they don't take advantage of you because mm-hmm. they will, the more you give, the more they take, you know?
2: Yeah. Even the best intention company is not right. going to say no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but I think that's a thing to your point, right? Like that's the thing about head traction that's important to understand is it. It doesn't stop with us identifying like, oh, here's the problem. The thing that I believe is I have to say yes to, you know, be a good employee. You can't just get that part and then be like, okay, so now I believe the opposite. Right. Snap of the fingers. Done. (laughs) Right. It doesn't work that way. And I think that's what the important part is so much of the work I do with clients is, and I always say, this is the part that no one wants to do because they think, oh, I don't have that much going on. And then when we start like pulling those weeds up, they're like, oh, there's a lot there. Um, is you have to take the time to unpack, like, what is this based on? Where did I hear this? How right. has it helped me to keep this around? How has this not helped me? What's the healthier way to look at it? Because until we take the time to actually properly go through it, it's, not going to just go away, and and you just keep repeating the same pattern over and over and over and over again until we
0: die. <laughs> yeah. So do so, you think that that like the not wanting to to take a deep dive into like our behaviors and our patterns and why they're learned is like one of the main reasons why people are hesitant to hire a coach and help them evaluate this type of thing?
2: Yeah, I think oftentimes with right people don't want to confront yucky stuff about themselves a lot of times. Because as we said before, growing pains are growing pains for a reason. They're not Mm -hmm. the most comfortable. Um, so I think, yeah, a lot of people are hesitant to that. Um, I also think when it comes to what we talk about of hiring a coach to help you get clear on what you want, a lot of people just, you don't know it's a problem until it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's the thing is like people keep just going on and functioning and And trying to make decisions quickly, what I'll often say is people like to make, there's like away from decisions and towards decisions, quote unquote. So away from decisions being, I don't want X, so I'm going to do this versus towards decisions of like, I do want Y, so I'm going to make this decision. So for example, people often are in that kind of like away from state where they're just making decisions like, I don't like this job, so I'm going to go find something else. I don't like this so it can be applied to anything. I don't like this relationship. I don't like this X Y and Z. And but like people often don't want to have to take the time to think about what they do want instead, not right, right, right. because they are thinking about it that way or not because they are trying to shoot themselves right. in the foot, but just because they don't know any better and cuz no, we're right. not taught to ask ourselves those things of like right. well, what do
1: I want? Or right. even to ask for help. Like is where you're like, this sucks and I don't like it. So I'm just gonna stop doing it. It's yeah. not even to resolve it or mm-hmm. like the thought to like ask for help isn't the first one. It's just yeah. stop. Oh, yeah. I don't like this. I'm just gonna stop it. Yeah. As opposed to like working through it and then being able to move forward.
2: Yeah. But when you're making away from decisions too, always use the analogy of like it's like being a bird in a room full like in a glass room right? And there's a door wide open, but you're not thinking about the door because you're just like frantically trying to get out of the situation. That's what happens when people are making away from decisions. They're just wow. like frantically doing stuff. And so they'll do, I'll, I'll see this all the time. We're like, well, I just keep changing jobs. And then it just keeps not solving it. I'm like, yeah, because you're trying to like put a bandaid on and you're not mm-hmm. actually
0: solving the issue. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, people, it's, 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 it's challenging to watch. It' so interesting. And I right. wonder, what do you see? when you're working with clients who clearly are craving a change, um, but there's there's something holding them back from making that change? Like, so to your point, like they don't want all these things and maybe they do know what they do want, but they won't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, what I would say is like, I uh, typically when it comes to the clients I work with, I have a pretty in in in-depth process of screening potential new clients so the people I tend to work with are those who are conscious of the fact that they want to make a change Mm -hmm. often it's people who are like my career is fine or it's good or it's technically checks the boxes but I just kind of feel this deeper underlying current in myself that I'm not sure that this is what I want to do forever. And I want to start to find out what that is. So really what they're looking for is like this calling or what they want to do as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so they feel the need for that, but it's always people who can, who feel the fear and are willing to do it anyways. Like I don't typically work with people who are saying like, I want to do this, but I, Or like I want this, but I don't actually want to do the work because they wouldn't make a good client because they wouldn't be coachable. Right. right? I think in order to be coachable, you have to be willing to be willing to trust the process, even though, and this is always the hardest part, is like you don't know exactly what it's gonna look like at the end. And that's always a challenge I find with people who are who are on exploratory calls, if they're like, like, how do I know what it's gonna look like at the end? You you don't. You don't there's no way to know, but I know what I can say I know is if you commit yourself to this process you will have you will be in a very different place or you can have a very different, you know, understanding in by the time you're you're done with this. But I can't tell you exactly what that's gonna look like because I'm not a mind reader.
1: And right. like if that's what you're looking for, to your effort. you're gonna be me. Yeah. yeah. If you're gonna get out what you put in. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um so to people who to your point of like to people who want it but don't want to put in the work, typically that's not who I work with the people who I work with want it are scared and are willing to do the work anyways
1: right mm. have you ever had to break up with a client Ooh.
2: um i've had to have i've had to have like one pitch. i've had to have what's There's more common one. is the come to jesus conversation as i call it mm-hmm. and i've had to have this with like um just a couple clients actually for the most part it's it's not huge but i've had to have it with a couple clients where we have to hop on the con i'm like look you're not doing the work
1: Right, yeah. I can tell yeah. you're not doing the work.
2: You're not going to get the results you want if you're not doing the work. So you tell me where you want to go from here. Right. Because, like, I, I, we unless you're going to do it, this is not going to be worth either of our time. And I don't like to waste my time.
1: Do you feel strong okay. when you, like, say these things to people? Or are there, is this, like, a time where it's, like, more of those gross feelings?
2: Oh, no. I I, I actually like these conversations
1: because it's like an empowered
2: thing. It's knowing it's just knowing either way. And I think this is the important part for people in general to remember about empowerment is empowerment is not that things are always going to go right or go how you want them to go. Right. It's knowing that like, this is what I need to do and I'll get an answer, whether it be that they're like, okay,
0: Mm.
2: you're totally right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step it up or they say, shit, you're right. Yeah. Maybe this, maybe it is time to part ways. But either way, I'm going to get an answer, and right. so I, I would so much rather that than sitting in limbo. To me, limbo Such is an the worst feeling. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think respect for good. both of your time. You know, like mm-hmm. you guys are both put, or you know, at least you're showing up and like putting your effort in. So for somebody to just kind of be half assing it, like not, then just be like, you know what, when you're done, when you're ready, get back to me.
2: Yeah, you have to want it. I have. I can met. never want it for you more
0: than you want it.
1: Right. Um. Do you find, like, how do you
0: hold space for all of this energy? Mm. Like, I feel like you almost are, you know, you're like a part life coach, part therapist, part friend, part, like, I don't know. And so it must be energetically draining for you. For sure. So I'm just wondering, like, what that looks like in terms of um, making sure that you have sufficient boundaries, but also yeah. enough to give.
2: Yeah. Well, one to be clear, I'm zero percent therapist. I always like to caveat that. I'm like, no, no, no. From a legal perspective, I'm zero percent therapist. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, not but from legal. yes. But I know. But what, like, I know what you what do. You, take on a lot of saying. people's it's, emotions. You have a lot of like serious conversations. Is is I think what you're saying? Which yes, it is. Yeah. It's it can be draining in that like coaching is something right where you're having really big conversations and it can be exhausting. And I think that was something I had to learn early on is like what my bandwidth is so what excuse me I uh, have um one it shows up <laughs> in how many clients I can take on so I kind of know my numbers and when I'm starting to be like okay I'm having too many calls each week then I know typically for me that's my indication of like it's time to raise my rates so that I
0: have fewer new clients and mm. that's always for me like my indication of that's a nice problem um, yeah
2: Right. But like, that's always how I look at it too. Right. So that it doesn't feel like a stressful thing. And it's not like, Oh, this is bad. It just is like a, Oh, time to raise my rates. Cause I have too many people. Um, so one, I know how many people I can take on, but then also I think that was something I had to learn early on of like, I have to be, that's part of why I'm so particular about who I do and do not take on as clients mm-hmm. because I cannot take on someone who Wants me to be their rescuer or wants me to be their savior because that's never going to be it, right? Like, you are your own savior. I'm just here to teach you. I would always say, like, what coaching gives you is process and accountability, and so it teaches you the steps in which to do it. So you're not just like throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks, yeah, but it also teaches you, gives you the accountability to actually do those steps. Mm -hmm. Um, and so. Like that's what I can offer people, but I've had to learn over time. Like I can't be responsible for making people do anything. And so I think that's also why I've gotten so particular about how many people I take on, but also who I take on, because I now can pretty much, much more easily sniff out like, Oh yeah, I totally adore you. Appreciate you. I really want you to have a, have a great experience. And I can't take you on as a client because you want me to solve your life for you. And just like, you want me to come in and "Quote unquote," tell you the answer, and that's never going to be what I
0: do with people right. ever. It's interesting. I wonder, like, that's a skill set in itself—is to be able to decipher those mm-hmm. types of people. After I'm assuming, like, a conversation is, what yeah, have, like some sort of like call or yeah, or whatever. So, how long did it take you to develop that kind of intuition? What did that process look like?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it, right? This is the case with any business—is you have you start out and you have some experiences where it doesn't go the way you want it to yeah, go. And then you quickly from. learn huh. hundred percent. You learn real quick what you're mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, those are the red flags I should have looked for. Mm, yes. um, so I think some of it's just the time and the experience and the, I have had enough of these calls now where I can typically sort that out. Right
1: out the gate. Um,
2: so I have questions now around that of to try and suss it out. Um, so I think part of it's yeah, it's just been time. Um, And yeah, I think that's the main thing. Is just like the ex- continued exposure and experience with having those situations. You're like
1: you learn, you learn pretty a minute quick. That, like you start hearing someone's voice or like something that they say. I'm sure it cues you where you're like, eh, and we're out.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and when I hear saying? it, how do you? I say- am. Um. Well, I'll typically refer people. So if 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 I get to the end of the call with someone and it's not a good fit, I'll know and either it's because what they want is not what I offer. So I'll tell them that if that's the case, I'm like, totally understand. It sounds like what you're looking for more is like, for example, a lot of people will try and hop on the call with me and they kind of, they just want placement. They're like, I am feeling like I'm not getting in the door at these companies. What do I need to do? I'm like, you talk to a recruiter. Or talk to someone who specializes in like people into those companies because that's great. That's not my focus. What I'm helping you do is big picture clarity stuff. And I think what you want is someone to help you get in the door. So here, I always have a list of people I can refer others to, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. And I think any business owner should because I think the more you pass off people who aren't your client, the more you have room for people who are. Yeah, where you get to work in the zone of right zone of genius, quote unquote, or like the stuff that you are good at, yes. and that's ultimately best for your business in the long run because you build. That's how you build brand loyalty and people who love you, and that's why I'm lucky to have a lot of wonderful
0: clients and people who refer
2: people they know is because they've had good experiences because I've worked with them on the stuff that I'm really good at.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's a really interesting. I'm going to go off script. Yeah, didn't go I'm for sure. it, but. <laughs> um it's interesting because this is something that I feel like we've been hearing more and more when we're talking about building a business mm-hmm. and that's to really niche down. Uh-huh. And it sounds really like easy, but it's actually not that easy because it's, especially when you're starting out, not that easy to say no to people mm-hmm. like that are willing to pay you money. But it's essentially what you're saying is it's quality over quantity mm-hmm.
2: it's one of the most important things you can do but I, t- I get that because I remember <laughs> when I started my business and when I went through my coaching certification and they talked to us about niches and they were saying you know here's how we want you to you know here's here's how what a niche is here's how you start to create one and like I thought I was being specific but over time, it just became more and more specific as I started to actually work with clients. And some mm-hmm. of that's it, right? It's like right. you start to work with people and then you realize what is a common theme between all the people who I worked with. So I think when I started, I just said helping women with their careers. And it was kind of like really, really broad. Yeah. And then it became realizing it was like specifically millennial women. And then it was helping millennial women who are looking for clarity in what they're doing so that they can build a more fulfilling career. Right. right? And like. It's just, you just add layers and layers onto it as you start to experience those things and you start to, you keep coming back and asking yourself of all these people who I work with, what are the common themes between the people who I love Yeah, and the people who I'm like, I would work for you, work with you every day for no money because I love this so much, right? So right. Who, are, who are those people? Um, but it is, niching is like the hardest thing you do. You're totally right at the beginning, especially when you feel scarcity and when you're like, oh, gosh, I just need to be making money and like, Yeah. I yeah. To make this happen, yes. And I think one of the worst thing people can do is be generic. And I think it's important to remember that because I see so many people who start businesses who are like, "Oh, I am a coach who helps people on whatever they need." So if they need career or life or business or yeah. uh, relationship or whatever, like I think one of the best things you can do is specialize because. The example I'll often give, and I think is important to remember, is like, if you have a friend who is like, oh yeah, I do everything, and then someone's asking you for a Spanish tutor, let's say, versus, and then you have another friend who's like, oh yeah, I just do Spanish tutoring. You're going to think of them first to refer, because you're like, oh, I know that that's exactly what they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not like, oh, I don't know. That's actually a really great scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Same thing with couches. <laughs> um, so oh shit, I had a I had such a specific question that was coming to me. And missed it. <laughs> it just fell right out of my head. It's okay. It's okay. If it be- comes, you know, sometimes it comes back, sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't, it wasn't meant to be. Exactly. Um, so I guess my other question, because now I'm now I'm like thinking about you build it like you building your brand
1: uh-huh.
0: and um When you initially started, like, how did you go about getting clients? Like, how did you go about making your voice known and all of that?
2: Yeah. So, my first clients were people who I knew in some capacity. So, like, people who knew me from my work at Essence, or people who knew my husband from before and they knew what I was starting. And so, like, that was some of my first clients. But I think it really started with, I feel like all I talk about, I'm like consistency is always the answer, but it no, really is in terms of same, same. Um, right. Like once I started consistently sharing, this is what I do. Here's who mm-hmm. I help. Here's exactly what we focus on. And the more and more I said that over and over and over again publicly, cause that's always a wow. hard part for a lot of people starting a business and being visible is like the scariest thing mm-hmm. for most people. Um, And so once I was consistently like putting that out there and being visible with like, here's what I do. And here's who I help. I started getting clients through who I had kind of like a, you know, six degrees of separation from or whatever. Right. Right. And those people started referring people. And then it kind of just spreads, right? It's like a snowball. And I think that's often what happens with businesses is like the first year or so is kind of hard as you're figuring it out and trying to get in the door. And then if you're doing it right, if you're, Providing a service that's going, you know, that's serving these people in a specific way, then you get that snowball effect of referrals and stuff like that. And then beyond referrals, and like over time, I've developed, you know, Instagram and Facebook, right. and I was running Facebook ads for a while. So people beyond my right, right. realm could reach me. Um, and so it kind of just took on a life of its own at that point. But yeah, starting out, it was a lot of people I knew. And I think that's often the case for, for, for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, totally. Is it harder? Do you think to work with someone you know versus someone that you don't know? And what I mean by that is, like, as a nutritionist, like I find that the people that I work with that I know almost don't take me as seriously. Mm. And I think it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Go. That was was basically the end. (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, I totally. I, I the reason I just say yes so quickly is like I know what you mean. I have. I, I, this is a common fear I hear from clients who are starting their own businesses as well of like, how do I keep that line? Um, I think it depends on the level of closeness, right? Like, I don't think I could ever work with my best friend doing what I do because I think there would, that would be too, too close. Mm -hmm. So it depends. I think part of it's knowing how many layers you need between you, right? All the people who I worked with at the beginning, who are people I know and people who I work with to this day are people who I know, have a relationship with, might have, you know, I'm familiar with them, but it's not like my best friend. So they there's still like a degree removed enough where right. they're not going to be like, nah, I'm not doing that. But they yeah. still they still don't know me well enough to say that, which I think is, is good. Yeah. Um, so I need it to be enough removed. But also if it is someone I know or have an existing relationship with, I have to be really, really good at setting that tone from the beginning mm-hmm. of you know, with those people, I've always said, I'm like, we're going to become very close. We're going to become closer in a very different way. And I will never use our one-on-one time to like catch up about your weekend. Like when we hop right. on, I'll always be like, Hey, how's it going? And you can tell me a couple of things there, but right. we're not spending, we're not taking time we're that you're charging them for as boy. a coach <laughs> to like shoot the shit about your boyfriends, yeah. yeah. We're not going to. Um, so I always try and lay that out from the get-go to like set expectations with them. Cause I think that's important from the get-go and vice versa. So they know that I value their time and, and the same on the other hand. Um, but then also, yeah, making sure that there's enough
0: layers of removal that it's,
2: you want someone <laughs> who has a relationship with you, but not so close that they can be like,
0: I'm nah, yeah, sorry. To do that. <laughs> it's just like I feel like sometimes they can be more guarded or mm. like just not be as honest or open as they might be with like a total stranger who right. is completely not judging them. And I feel like that also from the receiving end of having had coaches in the past. Like I would, I personally would never hire someone that I knew personally because I feel like I wouldn't be able to be
1: completely honest. Mm.
2: We well,
1: had something similar, like. I was going to be like, I wasn't hiring Abby, but she was like, Oh, let me do your math. Send me what you've been eating. And I couldn't fucking do it. Cause I'm like, I'll send it to you at the end of the week. Uh,
0: she was like, I the was going to send week. it to you over the over weekend, week. but I ate all, all this ice cream. this weekend. I just, weekend. Like, I just that's the
1: couldn't point. do it. I just <laughs> couldn't do it, you know, like to her. But then like when I hired somebody, then I was like, this is what I'm doing. I know that it's wrong, but help me. You know, just yeah. like we had to have something that was removed. We spent a lot of time together. So we're yeah. like, I'm like, I just need one thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that I, think I that's real, a, yeah. guilty about. But it's good that you knew that.
2: Guilty. Yeah. It's good that you knew that because I think that's the thing. And that's why also when you're having an exploratory call, like, class people, like, are uh, are you willing to go there? Because if not, right. that's fine. And it's like, also, like, gonna, up to you to, like, work.
1: say, like, you have a friend. I have this example of a girl that I knew who is a... Tr- <laughs> true trash human being, but she was a great hairstylist. And when she did my hair, she stopped being her trash self and was an excellent hairstylist. It was like, she turned it on and what did like the whole, like the measuring of the hair and like the cutting and the this and that. And it was very professional. Mm -hmm. And then like she, when she like reverted back and like mulched back into her normal body, she was a true asshole again. But I got to give it to her. When she was great, she was great. And like she turned on that professionalism. And that's, even though it's a bad sort of example, that's like how I want to be. Cause I like fuck around and like whatever when I'm at work, but then when I, I do like graphic design and like paper products, stuff like that. Sorry to the environment. But um, (laughs) when I get into it, I feel like sometimes people are not ready for me to be like, oh, so this 16 point paperweight and I'm like shaking, shaking papers and I like know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's nice to like turn it on and you can do that with your friends. I mean, like you said, you keep it a little bit removed, but at least even if they sort of know you, it's like, oh, they don't know this side of you that like comes out in a professional sense. And then you're like, that's right. I'm a badass. You didn't know this, but let me show you now.
2: It's fun to get to see people in that way.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's so fun. And I have a lot of respect for that. Mm-hmm. We, like, turn it on. What has
0: been the hardest part? Mm-hmm. What has been the hardest part of building your business? And what is the hardest part of your job? Like day to day now? Um,
2: the hardest part, I mean, I would say, I, I would say, well, and building it, I think figuring out like learning the process and learning the steps that like a lot, that's a lot of why I've kind of moved into helping People who are looking to start new businesses is just because, like, it's so much that I learned that I wish I had from the beginning, which yeah. is always why we start businesses, right? Is for the most part, it's because it's something that we're like, damn, I wish yeah, I, I needed that. Yeah, that's why I started my business in the first place to help people through transitions in that way. Um, so, I think the hardest part was like learning all the steps kind of to, to get it going. And I think, in general, something that's always been a hard part of my business and that will be forever, and that I've gotten pretty proficient at, but it's still like the constant thing is as a coach, remembering that I can't solve people, right? Like I'm not responsible
0: yeah, right. for these
2: people at the end of the day. I can, right. As, as the adage goes, like lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I can give people all the tools. I can give people all the skills. We can work on it day in and day out. But at the end of the day, people are, are autonomous. They Get to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. And if they decide not to do something, like I can't take that as a personal like failure. I can't take right. that as, oh, well, I didn't make them do this. Cause you have to remember like you can't make people do anything. Right. Um, and so I would say that's the biggest thing in my mind is like as a coach, I think one of the hardest things that you will have to learn and learn over and over and over again and like be reminded of all the time is the line between what you can do as a coach versus right. Like I'm not, I'm not the leader of this person's life. Like my job is to help get them in the driver's seat. I can't take them in the driver's seat for them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think that's always the hard
2: the hard lesson is, is as a coach in general I'm sure you feel that way right working
0: with people in the nutrition capacity is the same thing yeah, And i'm such a control like freak that it becomes problematic because I get super frustrated when people don't take things seriously
2: Yeah, I mean i've always I, i've always been a control freak as well. I think it's like the I always say who I tend to work with is myself in the past in some capacity, but it's always like perfectionist, super type A, super used to doing all the things. So then when they start to have questions Mm -hmm. about these things and it's like,
0: but that's not me. I know.
2: (laughs) I'm not the person who doesn't have stuff figured out, Uh, but it's the same thing, right? yeah. It's like control. You want to be able to fix it, but you have to really quickly learn. Like
0: I can't. Right. That's a really interesting point that you, I feel like I, I just had this conversation with someone and I can't remember who, but it's interesting that you made the parallel to the people that you work with are usually like a former version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think so at least. Yeah. And oh, I know it's because I just got back from Costa Rica. I was in a retreat um, that was really focused around like consciously creating your future, I guess, is like a really vague way of putting it. Um, But there was a lot of um, introspective work about calling in you know what it is that is aligned with your greater purpose and one of the exercises was about talking about who your ideal client might be and the example that one of the leaders gave was like I my ideal client is me five years ago and Uh so write that like so do you use those types of exercises like personally or with your clients like write down your ideal client like write down all of like where you want to be in five years like that type of thing if it's someone who's wanting to start a business, we'll definitely talk about ideal
2: client. Cause I think that's one of the, a really important part because I think often people put the cart before the court horse. They're yeah. like, Oh, I'm going to create a website. I have like an idea. Now I'm going to create a website. I'm like, and then, and then I start to ask them questions about what they've thought about the work that goes into it. Same thing with like the niching. The how are you, how clear are you on these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it comes out that they're not that clear on that. So yeah, if it is someone who's looking to start a business, like a entrepreneur, so to speak, a um, wantrepreneur yes. little bit. yeah, oh, right. the entrepreneur. We'll definitely talk about business, what the idea is, what the niche is, who's your ideal client, because I think those are the things that you have to get crystal clear beforehand. Um, so if it's in that capacity, we will talk about that. Because yeah, I think it's that's essential.
0: So, how does that differ from? How does the process differ from a client who is a entrepreneur or an entrepreneur that's looking for more clarity, versus someone who is in a more corporate role?
2: Yeah. So, I think it all goes under right the um, as I said, like it all goes under this umbrella of I need more clarity on what I want in my life. Like I think it can all fall under that. But then how it looks and how it's done is it's just right a different. Modality of the same kind of thing. So for example, we'll still probably start by talking about head trash and all of these larger mindset things. Mm -hmm. And they'll all have them, but they'll just be different ones. So for someone in corporate, maybe it's the, I have to be on a conventional path for my parents to not be mad at me. Or Mm -hmm. I need to say, I need to do 100% of the work all the time to be a good employee. Or like it's very employee focused things. And mm-hmm. then for someone who's starting a business, it's all of their own pressures. And again, it's still pressures. It's just showing up in a different way. So maybe theirs is doing an alternative, quote unquote, alternative paths is going to be my parents are upset with me or um, I need to be making X amount to be a real business owner. But like it's different flavor of the exact same thing. Right. So I'd say like it, that's that's the difference is it's just two parallel paths, which is why I think they can kind of both fall into the same thing because mm-hmm. it's all about helping people get through their own bullshit, their own head trash, their own self-imposed pressures and their shoulds and their things that they think they ought to be doing in their career because whenever we hear a should, we know like this is not, yeah, Stop not me. Didn't didn't the hear. answer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so like, <laughs> no. oh yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good
0: one. Don't, don't shit on yourself. It's true. <laughs> Oh, I'm so um, out of the loop It's surprising because you, know. you love memes so much I love memes
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'll um, one away for later But yeah, so it's like uh, That's what I would say, Is like it's helping people with that trash Then it's helping people to get clear on who they are and what's important to them And how they can get more of that, whatever way that shows up mm-hmm. And then it's taking action To be more aligned with that So it's those kind of like three steps are the things that I do with both people
0: It just looks a different way When they're yeah. in
2: those two right. different spaces
0: Yeah Got it. Um, and then also, what I find to be very captivating about um, your business is your content. You have a really great, cohesive. Um, what what is the word I'm looking for? Like stream of content on various it, through various channels and various formats, like you know, like video and like long form posts and short form posts and Facebook and Instagram and all of the things. And so, I'm just wondering, like, what goes nice. into the process? To creating that, like how do you schedule? How do you figure out what lives where? Thank you. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Let me just do a little hair flip. Um, no, but I mean, uh, with the content, yeah, it's a process that I've learned over time. I've also worked with different people on marketing and like. What? what can be created within it. Cause when I started, I was just doing what I think everyone does, which is like, I just post like memes and inspirational quotes on Instagram and there's no real strategy behind it. Right. Which is why you run into trouble with stuff like people saying, Oh, like this all seems great, but like, how do I, what do you actually do? How do I actually work with you? Right. Like mm-hmm. they don't know. Cause you've never <laughs> made an offer. So I think like, I learned a lot of strategy of ways in which like the things you need to be including, which is right. people know more about you individually. They learn more about your story. They also learn about, they, they know how they can work with you. Um, so I've one, worked with people on the strategy, but then two, with the content itself, now that I know kind of what my process is, I tend to, I do it once a week. Um, and I sit and I like plan out everything for the upcoming week Mm -hmm. on what's going to go where on different channels. Um, and then I sit and I create it, but I also, part of it comes back to what we were saying about knowing your client. Like I know my client so well that I can know, exactly what she needs because I'll be able to know really well like what's her pain point what does she want instead what's stopping her from getting there Mm -hmm. and I can I like have a whole list on the back end on my end and stuff that I'll take down when I'm on on calls with clients and I'm like ooh should share about this like this would be a compelling post so I just have Mm -hmm. my own kind of log so that when I go in to create this stuff it goes pretty quickly and that's maybe why it looks cohesive is because it's all about the same kind of stuff and the same kind of client because I know them well right because I've been them So I can really easily speak to them and then write posts. But yeah, I do it typically like once a week from the actual creation standpoint.
0: Interesting. And you film videos and then you also do, do do your own photography and stuff? I have a photographer who does like brand photography. So Mm -hmm. it it has a range when you
2: look on my like Instagram account, for example, it's a mix of stuff Mm -hmm. that's like stuff I've taken versus stuff that she has taken and you can always tell because hers look beautiful and lovely and, and <laughs> my mine you can tell has been taken on my iPhone.
0: Um, I can tell. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's but that's 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 the process is like Um, a combination of those things with the actual images themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. Cool. It's nice and refreshing to hear you say that you do um, collaborate with so many different people in order to like understand how you can best run your own business. Right. Oh my
2: God. Yeah. I I, think it would be so hypocritical of a coach not to. Right.
0: (laughs) Right. And I think that's a, but I think it's a huge misconception. Like even as a coach, like I have a coach, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I like I can hold other people accountable, but I have a problem holding myself accountable. Uh-huh. So, like, I think it's a big um, misconception that you know just because you're a coach means that you know it all, l- live, breathe, and die by your own
2: rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you don't need to know everything. Yeah. Right. And that's I think the mistake people make is like I can be an expert in one thing, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm an expert in everything. Yeah. I, you know, even though I came from a background in advertising, I didn't know how to apply that. To starting my own business because I never had, had to do that before. Right. So if there's, and that's what I think is the thing about working with a coach is like what I always say is if you've been trying to get from point A to point B but you don't really know how to, that's typically when it's time to get someone in place because yeah. maybe I could probably figure it out on my own but it would take twice as long and be ten times as painful. So why wouldn't I just hire someone? Like to right. me, I found over time that the return on investment is just high enough to make it worth it because I don't spend a bunch of time right? bullshitting
0: in circles and pretending like, well, maybe I'll just figure it out if I read enough books. Right. That's another huge point that you just made is like, time is money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just because you're saving money but you're spending a shitload of time doesn't mean you're being efficient. No, you're not valuing your time at all. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think a lot of people overlook that as well.
2: Yeah, get help if you don't know how to do something. Right, because, And that's the, the thing, thing. Like, bad. whenever people so often I'll talk to people who on, on like a call, an exploratory call, they're like, well, like I want to do it, but you know, they're scared for one reason or another, or like, I get it. It's a big investment. I know my first time working with a coach, I had no context for it. So when I was like, Oh shit, I'm about to pay $5,000 and do this thing. Like, well, what am I doing? I and I was so freaked out. And yet I've learned since then that, if I'm trying to do something like I, yeah, all these things you could figure out on your own. And I think that's the thing I often hear from people is like, well, couldn't I just figure it out on my own? And I'm like, you could, how's that been going for you? Yeah. yeah, right? sure. like, That's the question. And I, for those things now I've learned, I'm like, I'm just not, if I'm not willing to wait on figuring it out on my own, then I should probably hire someone who knows what right. the hell they're doing.
0: Yeah. it's an excellent point. Um, so one more little like topic I want to cover before we start to wrap up is, um, like what your sort of daily, um, rituals look like. So are there any, is there anything that you do regularly that is like non-negotiable, um, meditation or, you know, some sort of whatever practice that kind of helps set the tone for your day or wind you down at night or whatever?
2: Yeah. So I've tried a lot of things in the past. Like I've done meditation. I think it can be great. I also don't do it all the time because I've just, I haven't been that consistent in it. (laughs) I was like the part like right before sleep when you're kind of in a trance, but yeah, no, I, um, I've tried it before for me. I think my biggest routine, like I've, I've tried a lot of things and what I found works for me is I get up in the morning and I have my little, like I use a, it's called the Panda planner, but it just has a couple prompts on it of like three things you're grateful for, mm-hmm. um, affirmation to live by for the day, uh, three things you're excited about. Um, and so you have like a weekly and a daily one. And I, at the very least, always wake up, get hop, you know, first thing, do the, um, daily, like what are the things? But then it also has a section where it has a day, calendar mm-hmm. and it has your list. So I'll always go through, write my tasks of the things I need to do for that day. And then I actually schedule it. So I'll look at my calendar and be like, okay, I have client calls at this time. Where can I actually fit stuff in mm-hmm. so that I have breaks so that I'm actually putting a realistic amount of stuff to do within the day opposed mm-hmm. to like what I think a lot of people do, which is like, I can do 50 hours of work in 12 hours. I'm like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll like sit and I'll lay that out and then I'll move it into my asana. So that's like my personal process is I sit, I map out my calendar, then I'll put it in my asana so I know what order I need to do stuff in so that it doesn't take me like when I'm actually going through the day, I don't have to be thinking about like, Oh, what do I do next? I know. Cause I have my list of like,
0: okay, that's done. Right. Um, so that's kind of my process in the morning. Um, and for those of people that are listening that don't know what Asana is, it's like a oh, task, yeah. like a project management software. Thank you for saying mm-hmm. that because I was going to I had a feeling you didn't. Oh, know. yeah. Yeah, First it just all, allows rude, you, it allows you to all, like, you're right. no, I just know you that well. And it's like a, it's a project management that allows you to like navigate your tasks and like what step that they're at. Yeah.
2: Um, so you can use it as like, if you're working with a team, it's really great because you can assign tasks and you can have right. different projects. For someone like me who mainly works with myself and I have different projects I'm working on, and sometimes I have different like projects I'm working on with people, but mainly for me what it is is it's just a way to not rewrite my list over and over again because I used right. to do, as, as it sounds like you do, is the, the paper lists all the time. And I just felt like I was going through so much paper and it was like always kind of franny and I would have to rewrite it and it would just like take a lot of time. So the main reason why I use it is just because you can drag and drop tasks and like move them in order mm-hmm. and you can keep them there. So mm-hmm. I just like having it cause it's one repository to do it. Um, but I don't even use all that many functions of the software itself because it's mainly me, but right. it's just a helpful way to, yeah, yeah see right, everything like on screen and have your list and mm-hmm. reorganize it as needed.
0: Yeah. And then what about like resources that you might recommend to Mm -hmm. people in terms of, um, whether that be like researching coaches or, um, you know, books, you know, self-development books about gaining clarity, podcasts, like whatever it is that you Mm -hmm. personally like. Yeah.
2: Um, well, all-time favorite, I think pretty much one of my all-time favorite books is Growth uh, or Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. Um, I know I mentioned it before. She also has TED Talks, I think a couple um, or at least one. But she is awesome. I'm obsessed with her. And I think she helped me to really understand the difference in growth and fixed mindset and like all the stuff that we could talk forever about, but Lou won't. But uh, yeah, she is, I think I just adore her. Um, And I think she's very helpful for perfectionists who is who I tend to deal with because it's very much about like, there is not, you are not a certain amount of anything. It's all about learning and growing. And like, I think it's human nature for people like me to want to be like, where do I sit? Because you think you want to know where you stand and then you realize like, it's not that cut and dry. So um, that book I love. It's one of my all-time favorite books. I recommend it to a lot of people. Um, When it comes to clarity, I think... I'm sure you get. There's like a zillion books. There's all the colors. Well, your parachute and da 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 da. Like I think there's a billion resources. I think with any of those things, what I would say is, and this is not even from like it doesn't have to be with me. So to be clear, it's not a work with me kind of thing. It's more so right. if if you're trying to do something, and this is I think a rule of thumb for life. If you are trying to do something and you're just running your head into the same wall over and over again, and nothing's changing then maybe it's time to look at getting some external support. And so I would always say it's really important to start researching Mm. talk to several coaches, see who you feel like is a really good fit. Like I'm never offended when someone's like, okay, well I have a couple more people I'm going to talk to. I'm like, great. Let me know. Cause I want you to be a hell. Yes. I would say Mm -hmm. like no hell babies. I want you to be a hell yes and ready to do this. And I want you to do it because you feel like I'm the right person to help take you through this process. Cause you like me and the way that I go about things and my methodology and if that's not then great go work with the other person but I think take like I would say for anyone take time to research if you're considering working with a coach because you're realizing the process you've been doing hasn't been working talk to several and like get an idea because prices can vary yes but also you'll soon learn who's a person who you just like Mm -hmm. cannot live without working with Mm -hmm.
0: yep that's really good advice yeah yeah so we like to end each episode with five random rapid fire questions great (laughs) just to get to know some like random shit about you oh no i'm excited i'm
2: scared because i'm like i when i I rapid fired i'm like oh
0: they're not scary no they're
2: fun so but i'm the person who under pressure uh sorry <laughs> i was just no, saying I'm a person who under pressure when someone's like what do you want to order at a restaurant and then i end up ordering something and they leave and i'm like i don't even like that like i what? do the same thing Girl, I next time just
0: read the <laughs> we read the menu we before read the menu we go the <laughs> restaurant yes okay okay <laughs> we can't handle that kind of pressure either these all. aren't going to yeah. be like that i probably okay, actually some of them maybe but go That's ahead okay. first
1: do one dogs or cats dogs
0: uh what's your favorite snack this one's kind of like popcorn.
1: Okay, Ooh. I love popcorn. If you were a fruit, what would it be?
2: Ooh, that's a hard one. I don't and know. Why? So, as a fruit, well, hmm, that's a really hard one. I don't know. <laughs> then I'll just go with pineapple because pineapple is one of my favorite fruits. Yeah, and
0: sweet and uh, sassy, just like you.
2: Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I was like, I don't know my reason. How I just can eat We're pineapple until with the my ground goes down.
0: And Yeah, let's blonde, do it. So, like the whole like yeah. you know golden thing pineapple works works. For you. Festive.
2: Yeah. It's summery.
0: Yeah. This is a hard one. What's your favorite movie? Ooh. Um, we can break it down by genre if you want.
2: No, it's like I, I've seen a zillion movies, or not a zillion. I haven't seen all that many movies, but when, but in general, I feel like I'm not that loyal to any individual one. Something that I can watch. Time and time again, and I'm just thinking about right now because it's December now.
0: Is Elf?
2: Oh, it's yes. yes, a million times. So it's my favorite holiday movie, and that's what I'm thinking about right now.
0: I gotta tell you, I'm pretty pissed because I don't have cable anymore, and but I have like Netflix and I have Hulu and I have Hulu Live and I have all of those other fucking things, and Elf is on zero of them. Really? Yeah, I went extensively searching last night. John and
1: I—that's shocking to, to me. I know. I know me too. Uh, John and I were watching the. Cookie, like um, gingerbread championship bake-off about elf yesterday. Oh my
2: God. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to need to. Yeah, Food Network, Food Network. Yeah,
0: and they were like battling. I have elf on DVD, but I don't have a DVD player. So,
1: (laughs) same. No one has those anymore.
0: I don't even think. We do. I don't even think. You should see how many DVD shows. This doesn't even have a DVD thing in it. Even my couldn't even watch it on my computer. Anyway.
1: So, last question. Last question, our favorite question. What is your vibe?
2: Um I always like to say like supportive yet challenging. Yeah. Like I will always be super supportive. I'll be your number one fan, but I'm also not gonna let you bullshit yourself for me.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. That's Love fun. it. Keep I'm it pull that mirror up, honey. Mm. Whenever yeah.
1: I need it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try and yeah.
0: fog that mirror on me. I will just <clears throat> on you. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you yeah. so, so much. Uh, thank can you, you guys for having me where they can find you?
2: Yes. Um, so my website is be empowered achievers as you know, now for, for those reasons. Um, and then empowered achievers, just straight up empowered achievers on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm, I think one of the only Chris Castillo's who is a woman. Um, so you can <laughs> find me there. Um, But yeah, Empowered Achievers on all of the socials and then Be Empowered Achievers is my website.
0: Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us on a Sunday. We appreciate you. Thank you so much.